Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. guys welcome back to the big 12 country podcast i'm your host for the evening Corey. joining me tonight is colin hey guys everything going all right in your neighborhood uh it's your neighborhood too so yeah 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 <laughs> I hope it peaceful. Is. <laughs> peaceful as long as it ain't the fourth of july uh so yeah it's just us two tonight uh we don't have colin and or sorry i keep saying colin Brady, kendall and brady with us uh joining us for the show yet we'll hopefully be back pretty soon uh no contributors tonight so just us we'll kind of go through and run down our our usual stretch of the games that we do uh, before we get into that, though, there's a few things nationally I want to discuss. Uh, talk about some power rankings, and obviously, and then I, I like when we've done the questions kind of around the horn type questions things. Obviously, it's just me and you, so it won't quite be the same. But I still had some things that I thought were kind of, you know, we've kind of reached the halfway point. Basically, I know it's a little bit past the halfway point for some of the teams, but we're basically reached the halfway point. So there were some questions that I kind of wanted to get into, some things I want to talk about concerning the league. Uh, partially slash nationally, kind of where it falls into place. And uh, we'll go from there and just kind of get your opinion on things. And we can kind of maybe, hopefully, some of the fans can kind of follow along and kind of give their thoughts and opinions on it to them, you know, think about it to themselves. Obviously, they can't interject that into the show, but uh, hopefully they can kind of, you know, maybe they'll kind of agree with you, disagree with us, and then let us know. You well, know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of disagreeing. So, <laughs> so we'll start off with uh, just some of the few questions I have. Sure. First of all, who is and obviously this is as of this date. Who is your coach of the big uh, coach of the year in the Big Twelve so far? Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Campbell. Guy has freaking done a hell of a job this year. Yeah, I think he's done pretty good too. Uh, my only concern with Matt Campbell is, uh, and I think I forget who put out an article on it, but one of one of the other Big Twelve blogs put out an article. It's time for Iowa State to think about redoing his contract. Yeah, I've, because I've, they brought up a good point. There are going to be a lot of very good jobs coming open. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a very short list, and I have a feeling he's going to be on a lot of people's short lists. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, it's kind of weird. Some of the coaches that we thought at the beginning of the year were going to be hot, hot guys that were, you know, people were going to come after them, and now maybe not so much. For sure. Know, so, and that's kind of turning around in other ways too. So, yeah, I think they're definitely going to have to pay to keep the guy. I know he seems to really like it there, and he claims to be really happy there. But he's young, yeah, and he's motivated. He is. He's that new coach everybody wants. That I don't know what his age exactly is, but he can't be forty. He's no, he's 40. not. Yeah, he's so. like. 37 maybe yeah so i mean he's that 30 something coach that everybody's looking for the hot guy so i I, and you know urban meyer speaks really highly of the guy uh so i mean i can i mean i know saban and his comments on a lot of people belichick and his comments on a lot of people have gotten a lot of people jobs so i imagine urban meyer would do the same for him yeah well and for iowa state i hope he stays because they could they could come up i'd like to see him get a four or five years out of the guy at least i know that's hard but i'd like to see that happen i agree um secondly which team, if any, do you feel like we are most overvaluing at this point in the league? Define overvaluing, like giving too much credit for? Either, and that could kind of be your own thing, but I would say like maybe uh, people are too high on them right now and you, you're expecting somewhat of a fall, even if it's just a team that's only lost one game or no games and they may lose a couple, or a team high in our power rankings, or just somebody you feel like we're putting on a pedestal that's probably not going to end up there at the end of the year. Uh, Well... I don't think TCU is as good as as good as they are right now. Like 
I don't think – I mean, they're really good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think they're a top-five team in the country. No, I don't either. And I, I think they proved that Oklahoma State wasn't a top-six team in the country either when they went in and beat them. I just think when a team finally stops them running – and maybe they can't. Maybe TCU could just continue running the ball like they're doing right now. I just think if a team does that, I'm I'm still not sold on Kenny Hill. I know he's done some good things this year, but I think once you put the whole game on his shoulders that he doesn't do it. No, and, you know, I – that's kind of my thing. It, it, I want to see people force him to beat him. And maybe they never get to that point. Exactly. Maybe, maybe the defense prevents that. And if they do, hats off to them. But well, I just think if somebody – and, and what, what I'm afraid of is if nobody can do that and then they get on a national stage and somebody just absolutely embarrasses them by doing that because yeah. that's what they're going to do. Somebody that's got a really good defense is going to force him to beat them. And I'm afraid some bad things could happen. And I hope that's not the case. I really don't. But I just what I think will happen. Well, and – to be fair, they the defense is obviously legit. I didn't give them enough credit early in the season. The defense is definitely you know top two in the Big Twelve. The running game is really good, also. And then it's just can they keep it to where Kenny Hill is nothing but a game manager? Mm-hmm. Like he he's been really good at picking up third downs. He's used his legs, and they've been creative with the play calls too. So I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I just that to me. And then I would also say probably Texas Tech, maybe. Yeah. Like I don't know how real they are like they are they're definitely better than they were oh obviously but they've crept up you know to the top half of the conference i don't know maybe they finished like seven yeah see, that's what I, they're a mid-tier team to me. Yeah. i mean they're going to be in that middle i would think five to seven range is what they're probably going to finish at so we'll see with them now i know with the power rankings we do it as of what we've seen so far and it's not predicting but i just feel like there's some teams that are gaining some hype and some boost that i feel like aren't going to finish in that area <laughs> at the end of the year so we'll see how well, that we'll see we there. could be totally wrong on that too uh, this one, it, it may take a little bit of thought on your part. If not, no big deal. Uh, offensive, defensive, and fresh freshman or newcomer of the year so far in the Big 12? Uh, freshman to me is Trey Sermon with Oklahoma. I think he is going to dominate the Big 12 over the next four years. Yeah, he's going to be a handful. Uh, yeah, that, so that that's my freshman. Uh, offensive MVP, there's some really good offensive players. I'm going to go with... Oh, I don't even want to say it. Um, I'm probably going to go with James Washington. That may be a homer pick on my part. Mm-hmm. That's fine. What what David Sills is doing in West Virginia is insane also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know definitely. that we've really seen a lot, like a great running back step forward yet. I mean, David Montgomery's having a heck of a year. Yes, he is. That that just kind of speaks to the embarrassment of riches at, on offense in this league. If, Oklahoma, if Oklahoma's offensive line had David Montgomery, he would be. He might be leading the Heisman race. Right yeah, now. like the. There's some really, really good players in the Big 12 this mm-hmm. year, offensively. Defensively, meh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's kind of tough. It really is. I, I've had to think about it myself. Uh, to, uh, I'd probably ca- I'd probably take the easy way out and go landing just because he's had so many tackles. But you know who I really like but that I doesn't get that, talked but about he's ever? he's not necessarily a player of the year in my mind either. Joel Deneen from Kansas. He is tearing it up in in cover or in coverage and tackles as well. So, mm-hmm. and another guy that's had a really good year, oh, at least in non conference, but the Big Twelve is not really throwing at him. Parnell Motley mm-hmm. uh, from Oklahoma has had a huge year. I mean, he he basically might as well give himself a pillow and a cot because people aren't going to be throwing to him the rest of the year probably. <laughs> so, I, which I couldn't understand what Texas was doing. That, why you wouldn't go after? I still don't think Jordan played really well in that game. I still don't understand why you didn't throw at Jordan. And then there was a time where. Trey uh, uh, Brown from Union came in, the mm-hmm. freshman, the really fast freshman, came in for a little bit, and they didn't throw him at all. Like, I'm like, hey, he's a seriously undersized corner. Why are you not? I know he's fast as crap, but 
you know, I, I didn't get that either. I ha- I have my defensive MVP, Gibbs Latech. <laughs> okay. The okay. guy, the the uh, wizard may have moved from uh, Kansas City or Kansas to uh, Lubbock. Lubbock. Yeah. Yeah. That's not too bad, I guess. He's not a player, but I guess I'll, I'll live with that. <laughs> He's um, done a great job down there. Your opinion. Now, you can do this in four or two. If you want to take what I would call the easy way out and go with four examples of these, you can do that. But I was intending to when I wrote the question. Your best and worst units in the Big 12, offensively and defensively. Now, if you want to go, you know, a best and worst offense and a best and worst defense, you can. Or if you just want to give you straight up the best units, straight, straight up the worst up. I would probably get say the worst defense in the Big 12 is Kansas. My, that's probably pretty fair. I, I think attrition got them this year. Yeah, uh, they have been, definitely been not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, best or you said worst offense. You can do the worst if you want. That's what I mean. Oh you wait, it's four, best, it's best, best and worst, best, and best worst, worst unit period. Or you can do best and worst of each. However, you'd rather do it. When I wrote it, I intended on best unit and the worst unit in the Big Twelve period. That's what, okay. Defense is Kansas uh, for worst. Best defense. I'm probably going to go TCU for best offense. At this point, you have to go Oklahoma State. I think there's kind of uh, maybe a 1A through 1C there. Like West, West Virginia and Oklahoma right there. I don't know where they are now, but I know going to the Texas game, Oklahoma is the number one offense in the country. I, I don't know two. where they are now. I think, Texas I think going into that game – Oklahoma was one, and OSU was two, mm-hmm. and now OSU is one, and OU's two. I and believe. I think the Big 12 has like three or four of the yeah, top West eight right or something like yeah. that. So so it's – yeah, anyways. Uh, worst offense. I'm going to go with Kansas also. <laughs> yeah, that's probably pretty fair. <laughs> I mean, it, I know it's not maybe not fair to assign both to the same team, but, man. It's just performance-wise. They haven't they haven't done anything. They haven't. Not and, near what they were supposed to do. And I, I really think it really hurt losing those players before the season started. You know the team looks different. You have Speedy Gonzalez out there. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, the running back Octavius Matthews. Yeah, they just they lost a lot, and they're putting in the new offensive game plan. I just it's not it's not ready yet. No, no, definitely. And you know it's it is a little harsh to be that way on them. But I I don't know what else you do. I don't know where else you go. They just haven't done anything. Not near what we thought they could do. Um, yeah, I was a huge KU cheerleader going into this season. Well, I thought I thought they would get much better quarterback play than they've gotten. And then I thought they would get, you know, de- I knew they had lost. I knew de- defense was definitely the question. I mean, we had had, considering what they lost, the players they lost, all that. But I still thought they'd be a little better than they've been. And it just quite, hasn't quite lived up to what I thought it would. So we'll see. They still have the second half of the year. Maybe they can change some things, but I don't know. Uh, it's not happening. <laughs> uh, the next one on my list is the Big 12 championship game participants as you see it right now. Uh, as I see it right now, it has to be TCU and Oklahoma. That's probably, I think, what most people would pick. Yeah. OSU has a shot at it still, as as do several other teams, but stuff has to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, they need some help. Uh, who is the first coach to go in 2017? Now, this can be Big 12 or national. National is Butch Jones. No That's question. what I figured. <laughs> That's what I, I mean, figured, yeah. when you have people in Tennessee at every sporting event, not even college football games, Holding up fire Butch Jones signs. Yeah, and then, the writing's on the wall. Did you see the game last week? Tennessee yeah. at the Tennessee game. Who were they playing? Uh, 
Oh, I can't remember who they were playing. That was South Carolina. I can't remember who they were playing. It was South Carolina. They had their fans in the stands across from them. That had instead of fire, they had gotten hold of some of those t-shirts and like they had marked it out and put "Keep Butch Jones." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Uh, and to, and you know, I can't stand Paul Feinbaum, but when you get him out of SEC land and like put him in ESPN studios, he says some pretty funny, clever things. A lot of times, yeah, he was talking about how. You know, a lot of people thought Bush Jones should have been gone after that game last week. And he said that, in his opinion, the athletic director is basically saying, okay, well, we've done all this. I'm going to go sacrifice you at the altar of Nick Saban for the week. And then after that, we'll get rid of you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that may not be a bad idea. I then just, just totally get wiped out. I just saw that they're 36-point underdogs. To yeah, to a rival. Like, yeah. that's not – if you're that if you're that far into your rival, there's a problem. So uh, as far as Big Twelve, I would probably say Beatty. I don't think he's going to get fired this year. I've kind of fallen back on that, but I don't really think anybody's. Yeah, going to I don't lose think anybody, in Big I Twelve. I don't think anybody goes this year. I, I just can't see it. Uh, seven. Do you think? Okay, now this is kind of going back to last week. So let me set this question up because I don't need a fan base coming after me if I don't have this clear clarified. Uh, last week there was a lot of attention to the Oklahoma Texas game and the holdings the penalties that weren't called. Okay. Um, we, as we know, Texas has had, and this is honestly a question. I'm not suggesting this is what happened. This is just, I've seen stuff like this happen before. So I'm curious what you think about it. We know they've had a lot of offensive line attrition. We knew they weren't going to be, I mean, we saw that in the Iowa state game. If you remember, I said, Mike Stoops better come after these guys relentlessly. So they've had issues. They know they're not as deep and as good as they need to be. Do you think is because of how bad it was and how egregious it was at times, do you think some of that was strategy on the part of the Texas coaching staff in terms of if you can't stop that guy, do not get our quarterback killed, hold him. No, I don't, I don't think it was strategy. I think the players, and I saw this reference multiple times, at as a game kind of wore on and they saw they could get away with it. Yes. That if they're, if they're not calling it, yeah, why, are you, why not do it? That could have been part of it too. And, I, and I'm not just meaning for the Oklahoma game. I mean going forward, period. Is that something attacked that they may try to – if they're not going to call it, why would you not? No, because I, I don't think it is because um, – they run their quarterback so much anyways, and yeah, a lot of it's improvised scrambles, but the guy's getting hit anyways, so it's yeah. not like they're saving him. Yeah, but still, you I mean, a, a, a running situation versus a guy blindsiding you and taking your head off is two entirely different if, situations. If, if I'm an offensive lineman for Texas and I, you know, I know I held and it doesn't get called, then it's against me if I don't do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's just I. I know coaches have talked about you know this in in dark rooms where a lot of things don't get discussed. You know, we've seen coaches in the past that have retired come out and say, "Oh, there's times where we knew if we were, you know, less than a team here or less than a team here, we did this or did this." So it wouldn't surprise me. I just wondered if you thought it could have been something they've they've, you know, attacked it. Now, obviously, as we see more games, we can kind of come up with a, an idea on that too. It's just been one game, but. You know, in that situation, you're you know you're out man that bad potentially. So I don't know. Just curious what you thought about that because it, <laughs> it it's not it wouldn't be unheard of is all I'm getting at. Yeah. And you're now going to, now. Here's the thing, Oklahoma State doesn't present quite the threat at defensive line. So I don't know, especially when you talk about pass rush with like Okoronkwo. 
So I don't know that you would necessarily want to do that this week. I'm just, I, I, it's something I would keep an eye on. See, this is the week that they'll get called for like 55 holes. That's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing people talked about. They, they said it, the Big 12 has been bugged about it. And, you know, apparently there's been emails to the, the office this week and all kinds of stuff. Well, so. well, let's be honest, anyways. The Texas usually gets flagged a lot more when they play OSU. It's usually pretty ugly. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget that, that Justin Wells thing at the, at the media days <laughs> where he went on. That was one of the funniest things I ever heard in my life. So and uh, he used words like egregious also. Uh, yeah, that was how yeah. that was how he scaled it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then uh, it was like the name? best one was terrible. Yeah, and he was like, I don't, I don't know some of those adjectives. I've never used some of those. That was pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, I'll never forget that. That was pretty funny. Uh, so last question I have, and this comes from our mailbag segment that we did. Uh, Simon Kirkman, our buddy down in Australia that we talk to quite often, uh, he wants to know. Do you think Texas can go seven and five the rest of the way? So they're three and three now, so they have to win four more. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not going to pick OSU right now. So at Baylor, I see that as a win. Actually, I already marked a preseason. I had so they need to win four more. Yeah, they can go seven and four. So let's just say they lose or they beat Baylor. That puts them at. We're not counting the OSU game right now. They beat Baylor, puts them at four and three. They lose to TCU, four and four. So then they would have to win out against. They could do it, man, for sure. Do you think they're it, going to? Uh, Who's their remaining team? Because I don't even know. Okay, so they have to play OSU and Austin, which is fifty-fifty game, in my my opinion. You play at Baylor, which is a win. You play at TCU, which I'm going to say is probably a loss. Yeah, TCU probably gets it. Kansas, they play in Austin. That's going to be a uh, murder scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Texas is going to kill them. The game that could decide it is they play at West Virginia. Well, I, I tell you this too. We've talk, we've we've said this at the beginning of the year, and I still firmly believe this. Texas, I think, is going to get somebody this year they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it's going to be yet. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to pick between OSU and, and West Virginia, but they're going to have to win one of those games. Yeah, and that's that that could be. And is it is West Virginia in Morgantown? Yes, it's uh, an ugly trip. The last and then they the got year? Texas. No, they have Texas Tech on uh, Thanksgiving on Friday. So is Texas's bye week the last week of the year? Uh, their bye week was September twenty third. Oh, oh, I'm trying to think here. But yeah, o- they're off December second. Oh, Oklahoma plays. I was trying to think. Oklahoma plays West Virginia the last game of the year. Okay, okay. I was got. I got them backwards. That uh, uh, sounded like they were going to be playing the same weekend. Okay. But to answer Simon's question, yes, they could definitely go seven and five. Okay. They're going to have to win. They're they're going to have to beat West Virginia or Oklahoma State, which is totally doable. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, all right. Looking uh, nationally, real quick, just want to mention some of the games this week. Uh, obviously, the playoff poll comes out in two weeks. Well, it'll be a week from uh, Tuesday, a week from this coming Tuesday. Uh, it'll be coming out. So we wanted to look at, you know, we're going to start trying to look at where the Big 12's place is and some of this stuff. Uh, mostly, it's not what I would call a stellar weekend. It comes out next Tuesday, doesn't it? It's the 31st, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so that's that's a week from Tuesday. I was thinking week eight. Uh, it used to be week eight when they first did it, but now it's kind of gone to week nine. It's usually a team's week eight because you usually have the bye week into that situation. Right. So, um, anyway, so not, I mean, it's not what I would call an overwhelming schedule this week, but there are some good ones out there, some sneaky good ones. Um, Louisville at Florida State, I think could be a really good matchup with Florida State's weakness. The quarterback Blackman's getting better for Florida State and it's in Tallahassee. Uh, you know, it's something to watch now. 
with Louisville, um, oh, help me out. They're, they're really good quarterback. Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. They're not going to be – they're not going to finish anywhere in a decent record this year. But his numbers are still pretty stellar. Um, do you expect him to at least get an invite to New York City? Uh, yes, I do. Because I think he's going to get credit for basically being the only decent player on that team. <laughs> that's not. That's pretty fair. Yeah, his offensive line's pretty bad, man. <laughs> they are bad. Well, they were talking about him on ESPN. I was watching some highlights, and they're basically calling him the one man show. Yeah, he and he is. He's doing. Uh, I mean, he's putting up ridiculous stats for them. So you know, I I would like to see the kid get an invite. Anyway, I don't think he's got a chance in hell at winning it at this point, especially when you come to the end of the year. Um, and he would have to do something otherworldly, but I just don't see it happening. It's it's the unfair side effect of the Heisman. If your team's not in the picture in the national race at the end of the year, you're not going to get talked about. So it's just how it goes. Uh, Bryce Love could be in the same boat uh, out at Stanford. So now, if he pushes, if if Love pushes Barry Sanders' all time rushing record, he could definitely have shot. That's how he's going to have to do it, though. Who I'm trying to think of this now. In the modern era, the worst record to win a Heisman had to be Tebow, right? They had three losses that year, uh, or two losses. Robert that year. Griffin did too, I believe. Three, okay, so so Stanford is two right now, if I believe. Yeah, San Diego State beat him, USC beat him. Uh, unless somebody else, I'm forgetting. Uh, you know, I usually go to sleep for the Pac-12 plays. If they finish with three or four losses and he rushes for like 2,700 yards, yeah, he's gonna win the Heisman. That. But the thing is, he's averaging what, like almost. He's already averaged almost 200 yards a game, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's on pace to do it. He's yeah, on pace so, to do it. He's averaging over 10 yards a carry right now. That's insane. That is insane in Power 5 football. Yes. That is nuts. So, anyway, uh, kind of moving on down the list here. Obviously, big one this week, probably the game of the week in the Big 12, Iowa State-Texas Tech. I don't really see how there's a bigger game in the conference this week. Uh, I guess Oklahoma State-Texas could be. But, I'd, I'd take but when you when you look at record and potential and everything, I, I definitely – I mean, what it could mean for Texas Tech to win this and what it could mean for Iowa State, who's what, 5-2? and two? Yeah, they're four – both are 4-2. Four 4-2? and two. Four and two? Okay, 4-2. and two. So, you know, it, it, Iowa State wins this one, boys. Look out. They could have a really special year. Uh, this is kind of a – it could be a watershed game for them. Uh, let's see here. Moving on down the list, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? There's um, – well, I don't <laughs> one to watch anyway, just because of what it could mean for some. You know, Tennessee, Alabama. I think of Alabama, why is Tennessee off the map? It's probably Bush Jones' last day, and 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 it may already be. It may already be decided. They may have already, you know, started setting all that stuff up. Um, a lot of people thought Les Miles was definitely gone a week before he actually finally went last year. So, you know, that's definitely one to watch as far as it impacts the coaching race. Um, USC and Notre Dame, which will be on NBC Sunday night, or I'm sorry, Saturday night uh, in primetime. That will that one's a big, big one there. You got number 13 versus number 12 in the country, so that one's a big one to watch. Um, and then Penn State, Michigan, uh, you have that one, which is going to be on ABC in primetime, which will be 6.30 in Central for most of you in Big 12 country, 6.30 our time. Uh, so that one will definitely be one to watch too. Um, and then real quickly while we're talking about primetime, your thoughts on TCU Kansas being in primetime? Not good, man. Not good. I uh, just, Fox copped out to try to get the better games earlier so they weren't competing up against better primetime games is what it runs down to. Which is just, I mean, uh, in one side of it I understand because I don't. I hardly ever think Fox when I think college football. Like it's not something that pops into my head immediately. So, because I'll be honest with you, if I don't know what a channel of games on, I will go through all the ABC affiliates, ESPN, da da da, CBS, probably their affiliates, Fox Sports Net, and then I will probably get to Fox or Fox FS1. 
um, just out of nature of looking for games that way. So I, I will say the one saving grace is that recently in the history of this series, TCU has struggled with Kansas mm-hmm. and against some bad Kansas teams. <laughs> they, they have. I so, have I mean, they, they do have that going for them. It could, you know, if it does turn out to be a good game like that and, you know, Crazier things have happened. Maybe Kansas gets it all together for one game and knocks off TCU, which would be awful for the conference, but yep. be a huge win for Kansas again. I, I don't see it happening, but – Yeah, I we mean, really don't need TCU losing to no. Kansas. We really don't. For the for the conference, if I don't know how it's a good thing to have a team that's a 38-and-a-half-point favorite play. I don't, that game doesn't make sense to me. No. A 38-and-a-half-point no. spread being your primetime game is bad. No, no, most definitely. Uh, one other thing one I wanted to get to, late night, if you're staying up late for the Pac-12, Pac-12 after dark, Colorado and Washington State could be an interesting one. Colorado's not a bad team. you got Washington State coming off that loss. See how they recruit, how they – now it is up in Pullman. Uh, isn't that where Washington State is, Pullman? Yeah, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, so it is up there, but I would, you know, just keep an eye on that one. That one – and that could mean some – what little shot the Pac-12 has left, I'll be honest with you, as long as the Big 12 doesn't just absolutely implode, they're in the college football playoff because the Pac-12 is just about done. If Notre Dame takes out USC, which is very possible this weekend, uh, and Washington here's the problem, or Washington though. State loses anything else, it's over. Big 12 needs Notre Dame to lose. Well, yeah, I mean, potentially. Notre Dame, if uh, an 11-1 and Notre Dame is going in over Big 12. The thing about, the, the thing about uh, I don't know, not necessarily. Their schedule. Depends on, depends on, who, depends on who the Big 12 team is. Their schedule, think. Notre Dame would have to beat like six top 20 teams. Well, so would a uh, Big 12 team would have to have beaten, okay, let's, let's, let's say it's TCU. They knocked off a top 10 Oklahoma State. They're going to knock off a top 10 Oklahoma. They're going to knock off. Um, a West Virginia team that's going to be ranked. They're going to have knocked off a – who am I forgetting? There's somebody else that – oh, Texas Tech that's likely, likely going to be ranked. You're forgetting if, one thing, though, man. What? TCU doesn't have Notre Dame on the side of their helmet. No. But Notre Dame well, okay, demands go, a lot okay, of attention. Okay, go Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to knock off five or six ranked teams. And they're also going to have what still, especially as long as they keep winning, looks like the best win that's, in the country. That's the one that could probably sneak in. So I just don't think it's I, I don't sneak, think it's lock, stock, and barrel just because it's Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, what is, Notre Dame doesn't matter anymore. Like People have got to get that in their head. They're not Notre Dame anymore. Oh, but they will always be Notre Dame. No, there's there's Notre Dame like you were 20 years ago, and there's Notre Dame now, and it's not near the same thing. But, now. But I do think that they just historically are going to get in over some teams, but I don't think it's as lock, you know, as it was say ten years ago. But before before we move on here, I have something to read. I was on Twitter earlier and saw Coach Leach, Coach Mike Leach for for everyone had posted something about he's having a uh, rally for justice near Red Raider Stadium this this Saturday at ten a.m. What if you want to go support him and he has a uh, hashtag he pay coach leech. What's he doing near Red Raider Stadium on Saturday when he has a game? Like he's not going to be there. Oh, okay. He's trying to get fans to do it. Okay. The Red Raider fans. To oh, to get him, him to pay him. Yeah. He has <laughs> hashtag pay coach leech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss that guy. I wish we could find a way to get him back in the league. All right. Um, let's see what's, Oh, one other thing I wanted to get to because it wasn't posted or at least I didn't see it when we did our show on Sunday is we have the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, Players of the Week in the Big 12. And I wanted to bring those to light this week. Uh, Will Greer was the Offensive Player of the Week last week. Uh, Trevor Ryan was the Special Teams Player. Iowa State Player was the Special Teams Player of the Week. He had uh, he returned four punts for 86 yards, including a 68-yard return for a TD. 
uh, as Iowa State absolutely wiped Kansas off the map. Uh, and then you had Oboe, uh, Agbanyo Garanquo, if you're not familiar with him, a defensive end from Oklahoma. Uh, he had one sack, a fourth fumble, a pass breakup, a career-high five quarterback hurries to lead number 12 Oklahoma to a 29-24 win over Texas. And then uh, Will Greer's stats, since I forgot to mention those, uh, well, basically all they say is come from behind and win over Texas Tech. He completed 32 of 41 for 352 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, it was a so, pretty good game. It was a clinic. So anyway, that's what uh, that is your players of the week. All right, let's roll into this week's thing and there's the situation here. I wanted to get into some of the power rankings, but we're not going to have time nationally. Uh, there's just no way we can get to it. So let's go ahead and roll into this week's games, starting with Oklahoma State and Texas. Um, this is, you know, this one has a chance to be a really good one. Um, you know, some things I'm curious about, I want to see, uh, obviously, Texas, how they recruit from that game. Because that game against Oklahoma was just, I mean, it was a slugfest. I know you said you didn't really get to watch it. I don't know. However many people didn't get to watch it, those of you who missed the game, uh, well, they had all the freaking Big 12 games running, like, simultaneously. Yeah, and then the Kansas State thing, that really screwed with it, too. You, you basically um, you had TCU, Kansas State, OSU, Baylor, and OU, Texas running at the same time. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, and honestly, that was probably the worst week of the year for me to try to watch all the games. <laughs> like, I, we've had some issues in the past, but, you know, in terms of there would be a couple late I could catch or whatever, it, it just wasn't happening Saturday. Like, it, that's why we did we went, went ahead and tried the new format with letting the contributors tell everybody about what happened in the games because they were going to do a much better job of it than I could ever have done. So, yeah, it, it was just – it was a nightmare. Um, this game is on Texas – is on in Texas, obviously, at DKR. Uh, 11 a.m. on ABC. Your announcers for the game are Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Todd Mache. Uh, let's see here. I'm not going to go through and tell you all the channels. Surely you can find ABC on your thing. Uh, on radio, you got Dave Hunziker on the Texas, on the, on the Stillwater side. I'll have to find the Texas one here in a second. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. So with that said, um, you know, first of all, with this game, you know, Oklahoma state, it kind of feels like they're going to come into a little good situation after what happened last week. Kind of felt like they got some demons out of the way. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you, at least early, what are you looking for to see Oklahoma State have success in to kind of make you feel good about the outcome of this game? I, I would like to see Justice Hill have success running the ball. If OSU can run the ball, I don't think Texas has a shot in this game. Mm-hmm. If they can somehow make OSU one-dimensional, which is pretty hard because Mike Gundy will never abandon the run, even if he's running into a brick wall over and over again. Mm-hmm. But if he if they can make him one-dimensional and then start getting pressure on Mason Rudolph, then it, it could be a long day for the Cowboys. Yeah. Um the one thing on the te- on starting on the Oklahoma State side of it, uh, the one thing I do, I wanted to bring up we talked about off the air. Texas is I I think they're the worst in the conference, but they're definitely one of the worst in the country. 117th, and this is, comes from a from the S and P score. Uh, it's a guy, the guy from SB Nation. I forget his name, Bill something or another. Uh, came Connelly. up with this. Uh, yes, sounds right. Came up with this a few years ago, uh, and it is a very good metric. I think it's something we like to use a lot. Uh, it's something we talked about last year's shows. If you aren't familiar with it, maybe we'll break it down later. I just don't have time to get into all of it now. But basically, it measures five um, the five what's the word for it uh, phases of football with big plays and all this different kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, Texas is 117th in the country at giving up big plays. Um, we saw it a lot in, against Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma, I want to say, and I don't don't hold me to this because I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think at one point they'd given up 
early in the third quarter, like six plays over 20 yards. Uh, you know, basically explosive plays, chunk plays, plays that can really hurt you quickly, especially in this league. So Texas, that is as good as they've been defensively. That is one area they're weak. Now, one thing we know Te- Oklahoma State loves to do is bomb the ball as much as they possibly can. Uh, but obviously that's going to come down to their ability to get the ball out before they get taken out. So uh, that's one thing I would like to watch. How do you feel like, you know, I know you said you didn't get to watch the game, but you do know enough now about what happened in the in the Red River shootout. Um, you said you wanted to see uh, Texas's DBs against quality receivers finally. Now, obviously, Iowa State had quality receivers, but they didn't have a quarterback to go with it that game. So after doing that, what is kind of your take, your thoughts on, do you think, te- you know, what kind of success what Oklahoma State you think have in that department? <laughs> well, I didn't really get a look back at the OU-Texas game at all. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I think OSU's going to have success passing the ball. I don't know how much they'll have. They're going to hit a few big plays. There's no way that, as much as they do, there's yeah. no way that they're not going to hit some chunk plays. What what Texas defense has to do is one, they need to try to force a couple of turnovers. Mm-hmm. If you oh, you can get behind in turnovers, that's it's a long day for them. They have to somehow figure out a way to stop James Washington, which isn't really isn't really that easy with the depth at the wide receiving position that OSU has. You kind of you, you you know it's we've talked about it a lot this season. You bracket him, you're taking a guy away from somebody else, mm-hmm. and that could be where OSU has success. If they do try to take away James Washington or they try to take away Marcel Aitman, you have Tyron Johnson, you have Jalen McCleskey, you have Dylan Stoner, you have all these guys that are going to be running wild in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I thought, yeah, I, now granted, well, Oklahoma State does kind of have somebody like this, but I don't know how much they're going to use him because they haven't lately. Um, Sermon up the middle, Texas looked pretty weak up the middle, soft running the ball. Um, now Sermon is a, not your typical freshman running back either. I mean, the guy's a beast. Um, JD King, kind of that same ilk as far as he's a big physical back that can get up between the tackles. That could be something possible for it. The other thing Texas was susceptible to, I thought, was counters. Uh, Oklahoma countered them to death. Uh, it was one after another after another. They over pursued. Uh, they got these linebackers out of their gaps a lot of times. That was one thing I felt like, you know, Oklahoma State, again, Oklahoma really gifted offensive line. So that's kind of one thing we have to keep in mind here. Oklahoma State is not that good at the offensive line, not near as good no. as Oklahoma. So um, you have to keep that in mind. Oklahoma. Now, the other issue, too, Texas got more pressure in Oklahoma than probably anybody I can think of this year. I, I'd have to go back and really think about it, but it's, it felt like it was quite a bit. Um, now you obviously have Baker who's very good at getting out of those situations versus Rudolph, who is big, strong kid who doesn't go down easily, but I feel like doesn't maybe try for the extra stuff like Baker does near as much. So he's he's done more of it this year. Yes. I have noticed that. Yeah. He's, he's been better feeling the pressure in the pocket and getting out and extending plays and stuff. At the same time, he's also had two horrible turnovers mm-hmm. when he's tried to extend a play like that too. So that that could be something to watch for in this game. Yep. So that, that, that's definitely uh, to me. That's to me. It's not oversimplify this game. It's as simple as can Oklahoma protect Oklahoma State protect Rudolph. Like I don't know that it gets any more simple in this game. Yeah. Uh, Texas is now. I would like to see if Texas is going to commit to bringing pressure as much uh, as they tried to against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, involving the linebackers and stuff a lot. Of that. There was times, a lot of times, where uh, they tried to lay blitzes and stuff from the linebacker position that I thought worked really well. Uh, they are very good at doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Bringing in, um, oh, Jefferson. Jefferson. 
uh, a lot of delay blitz. They do that a lot. And sometimes it's, it's hard to even call it a delay blitz because it's just split second. But it is just a little bit of a stop and pause, and then he takes off. Well, and see, that's so, another thing to look for or look for with Oklahoma State is Brad Lumblade has missed the last two games. Mm-hmm. No, he went out and won and missed the last And that's game. where they bring his right up so the you have, Yeah, you have a – not a freshman, but it's a, a guy who's – this is his first taste of really playing. He started, I believe, three games now, but he's only played – like a game and a half at center. Mm. No, he is a center. That was what he was brought in to play. So, and I, I honestly think he's looked pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Maybe even better than Lundblad, sadly. <laughs> but uh, so that that's definitely something to watch. You have some inexperience on Oklahoma State line. You yeah. have um, that. I don't think he's a true freshman, but a redshirt freshman playing at guard. Yep. Um, defensive switch it to the other sides of the ball here. You know, obviously Ellinger, we're assuming is fine. Uh, even after some some interesting tape and photo. First of all, let me get your thoughts on that. Um, your opinions on on that whole thing as far as – I'll be honest. I was watching the game live. It never occurred to me he might be knocked out on that sideline. Now, as I went back and seen the photos and the videos of it, it does look like at some point he wasn't coherent. I'll say this. I don't, I don't like to speculate based off of – you know, an overhead video from TV. No, so yeah. I'm not going to do it. I don't think Texas's doctors would have sent him in if he had a concussion. At the same time, I find it hard to believe that you could clear somebody in that short of amount of time. Yes, that's been my point. So there's, there's some some inconsistencies there, but I don't want to speculate on what I don't know. And so. I know I know it's practice now, and the NFL teams do it, and I guess Herman's bringing it to college, but the whole tent thing to me is shady. Yeah. Like, when you drag the guy and put him into a tent, and then all of a sudden he comes out and he's fine. Uh, and again, live, it did not occur to me. It's not something, I don't know if it was, you know, my three-year-old well, was jacking with me at the time or what, but I, I did not think to myself he got a concussion or knocked out until I saw the replays later. i tell you what makes me question it. And again, not speculating on him having a concussion, but on the fourth and 13 play or whatever, mm-hmm. when he just strolls out and throws it out, throws the ball away. Yep. If he's of right mind, there's no way he throws the ball away because you got to at least just put it up in the air to hope to get something. And see, I support that too because of simply everybody talking about how smart he is. Yeah. Everybody, that's one of the number one things Todd Blackledge was talking about during the game. Everybody talks about what a sharp football mind he is. He's going to know in that situation you can't do that. Yeah. I don't know. Again, so. I don't know. It, it did. It, it worked. It, best case scenario, it doesn't look good. That's all I'm saying. And, and it may not have been anything. That we'll never know. That was, you know, yep. ultimately what I told our Texas guy, because he kind of took offense to, which I don't blame him. I, I would have taken offense to the Texas A&M thing too, where they were talking about, you know, basically Herman doesn't. Yeah, care that's about the players. thing. If that had come from somebody else other yeah, than the guy with the name of Texas obviously. A&M highlights, yeah, obviously. Um, but you know, when you package it together that way, it does look pretty sketchy. And then every response on that is from Oklahoma Sooner fans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I'll be honest. I was watching the game and it never occurred to me. He might be, I just thought he was hurt real bad. I thought that maybe he he had a stinger. So yeah, and he he was laying there trying to shake it out. That's kind of what I thought. But when you look at the video and then some of the still pictures, it does look like his eyes are closed and maybe he's not. Yeah, and then they're tapping him, you know, on his chest, like almost like they're trying to get him to wake up. I did see that. So that's what worried me. That's what, but you know. Uh, we'll never get a true yeah. answer to that, so I don't know. It well, at this point, you just got to trust the Texas doctors, and they made hopefully they made the right call. So anyway, back to that game. They took a beating. He took a beating. Everybody took a beating in that game. It was it was a physical game in the Big Twelve, like we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, and that's kind of my question on Texas, as well as it will be Oklahoma going to to Manhattan this weekend. Um, you know, Ellinger, assuming everything's fine there, I think he will have some success because. 
here's my this is kind of it's sad but this is kind of the the negative uh matchup here but it'll be interesting to watch because his key is the this texas offensive line to oklahoma state's defensive line uh who do you give an edge to kind of know what we both know about both those groups right now uh, i don't know if i give an edge but i don't know if i give i, I almost want to say they kind of cancel they kind of cancel out. each other out that's kind of how i feel too i do i think it's really going to come down to oklahoma state's linebackers yeah uh and have they how much and i know they haven't needed it a lot but in situations where they can how much have they shown a willingness this year to bring extra guys they showed more last week they hadn't until last week mm-hmm. but you're starting to see they're rushing calvin bundage a lot more see that's that that's the guy for me yeah. i mean that guy could be an athletic for, for, that might be one of the most athletic linebackers in oklahoma state history i'm yeah. not crazy like that, that that dude is very fast very athletic very strong he looks like a guy you don't typically see at oklahoma state yeah no offense so he's but, he's start they're starting to bring pressure with him what I would like to see in this game is them figure out someone a way to spy on Ellinger the mm-hmm. whole game. Like you have to do that, in my opinion. Yep. Because that's how he's going to beat you. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can beat them with his arm, but he can beat them with his legs. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and see, that's where honestly, if not for that, honestly, last week's game probably isn't even a game. Uh, his ability to kind of to extend drives, to get first downs, to do just enough to make it third and short instead of first and or third and nine. Uh, all that stuff really factored into that game quite a bit. Uh, so that's one thing. And, again, Oklahoma has only given up 100 yards to a rusher all year once this year, and it was from an option offense in Tulane. The guy had 103 yards. And, honestly, I'd say probably 75% of that came in the first two quarters. After they kind of adjusted to it, they were fine. So they do not – Oklahoma's rush defense is very solid. And they – and Ellinger, now, again – like I said, 98% of it was scrambles, was able to run for over 100 yards against them. So that's something you've really got to watch in this game because it could break Oklahoma State's back. Uh, it really could. Well, because, and they've struggled historically against running quarterbacks. Yes. I mean, we saw it in the Tulsa game this year. And I, and the thing I would like to know, you know, I assume they're going to employ the same type of philosophy they did against Oklahoma in terms of sit on the ball, run the ball as much as we can. They didn't try very many big plays. A lot of the big pass plays were screens and things like that. Now, Granted, they were limited because they didn't have time. Ellinger was constantly being chased off a spot. So whether or not Oklahoma State can do that, I don't know. But if they do that, uh, to me, that is the formula against Oklahoma State. Sit on the ball, mm-hmm. run it as much as possible. But in, on defense, the key to me on defense is keep everything in front. You cannot – it's not just as simple as keep the quarterback off the field. It's also as when they are on the field, you have to keep everything – you cannot give up the 70-yard bombs to, to Washington constantly or you do not have a chance because – the whole point of time possession is to force them to, to try to do more with less time. Well, if they're throwing the ball and scoring every 50 seconds, then you're screwed. So, uh, you know, that, <laughs> Which that's usually why. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of that defeats the whole purpose of trying to win time possession. So, uh, to me, that's what Texas has got to do. Um, the secondary, since I got to watch a little more, Texas secondary against their wide receivers, I they're pretty solid. I will say they're pretty sneaky in some of the things mm-hmm. they do. That, that interception they had against Baker. That was a good play. I, I would love to know if that was designed or he just made a decision, that, that player, that I can't, Bonnie, because I have been terrible on Bonnie. I think the guy is not very good, but he made a very good play in that situation. Um, that was very well drawn up, even not just his scenario, but everything around it, the way they rolled everything to one side, and then he came back. I mean, it was very well des- – I mean, that was a really brilliant design play. Uh, Baker never had a clue it was coming. So um, – you know, I, that's that's definitely something to watch in this game because 
it's not just the athletes that's good coaching now. They're getting really good coaching, and they're doing a lot. And they're starting to understand how to play in that system, I feel like. So uh, definitely something to watch. But when it comes down to athlete on athlete, uh, I think Oklahoma State can have some success as long as they can get the ball out. Again, it's going to depend on whether or not the offensive line can protect him. So uh, any other thoughts you want to add to this game? No. Uh, to me, I mean, the keys to the, to the game for both sides, for Texas, stop the OSU running game. You want to make Oklahoma State one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. If they're balanced, there's. I don't think Texas is going to win this game if they're balanced. Does the history play anything into this in your mind? No, because I think a lot of people put a lot of you know put a lot of credit into the overall history of this series. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it recently, which is kind of what I would call the modern era of OSU football, yeah, it's been pretty lopsided towards OSU over the last say ten like years. ten years. Yeah. Now. Texas definitely owned Gundy early in his career, but really since he's got it going in Stillwater, mm-hmm. it's, been either, it's been really competitive or OSU's won. So. Mm-hmm. But again, that kind of uh, – I always say OSU's rise coincided with the downside of Texas. Yes. Yeah, they kind of came together. Yeah. Just like uh, Baylor and TCU mm-hmm. coming up, you know, certain some of that situations too. So, you know, I, I, we'll see. Um, I don't, do you want to pick a winner in this game? Uh Man, I I have real hard time picking OSU. I'm going to <laughs> yeah. because I'm a homer, but yeah, uh, I could really see Texas winning this game. I, I can too. There's never there's never been a team to win five straight in Austin in the history. Well, there wasn't four either until they did it. Well, I guess Notre Dame did it over like an 85 year period, oh. but there's never been a, a five. Now, granted, that's not. You know, Oklahoma plays them in the Cotton Bowl, so they don't go to Austin. Mm-hmm. But still, that that says something. If you've never lost to a team f- four or five times in a row at your home pl- at your home stadium, um, and also not to mention the stat that I told you before this that coming off a loss in the Red River Shootout, Texas is fourteen and one. Mm-hmm. The lone loss was to Oklahoma State, but still, that says something too. The only thing, like I said, if I knew a little bit more kind of shape Texas was in, I would feel a little bit better about picking them. I just don't know because th- that game took a lot on both teams. It really did. Uh, I, again, when I say there hasn't been a physical game like that in a while, there hasn't in this league. It's been probably since these two were good before, uh, since we've seen a game that physical. So, you know, I there's been some TCU and Oklahoma games that were pretty physical, but I can't think of one that was that that physical. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I'd like to see you know what kind of shape they're in early, but if everybody's fine and everybody's okay, I can easily see Texas winning this game. This because I don't know that Rudolph's gonna have time to throw the ball like he wants. If Tech, if Orlando's smart, they come after at least early. They come after Rudolph and get him shook up because to me that kind of seems to be the book on him. If you can get him out of his mind a little bit, he's screwed. So that's well, what that's I what was, TCU did. They hurt. Mm-hmm. He was hurried. Now that's that's the thing that I was going to talk about that we referenced earlier in the show. To me, a lot of people are putting too much weight on OSU's performance against TCU. Mm-hmm. When you have, and I understand that the other games, a lot of the games they played this year weren't against the best competition or whatever. That game to me is kind of an outlier in the fact that they had to replace two starting offensive linemen on the right side of the line well, that short week. Notice, yeah. And I don't think Rudolph was comfortable going into that game because of that. I felt like he had happy feet that whole game just because he didn't know how it was going to work on that side of the field. That that game has an outlier to me on a few few ways because 
as far as you can't compare it to other situations because there's not many teams that are going to be able to get up that quickly on Oklahoma State and force them to play from behind that. I mean, yeah. I just don't it's, – it's hard to say that that's going to take place in other games. It's just – now, rather you want to tip your hat to TCU and say good job, whatever. Well, oh, they definitely had a the, great the, game the, plan. The turnovers and all that, I mean, it was just a total storm of just crap for but, Oklahoma but State. But that's what I'm saying. And even as bad as it was, Oklahoma State only loses by, what, 10 points or whatever? Yeah. So, Well, but, but to me, that's – that was more a uh, – it was going to be a good game regardless. TCU's mm-hmm. – I don't want to take anything away from TCU no. because they came in and, and really dominated that game for like four-fifths of it. But it's hard to take anything away from it and say that's going to happen in other places. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are saying, well, when you play a good defense, because that's this quote-unquote only good defense OSU's played this year, mm-hmm. that they don't work as good. And I think mm-hmm. it was just – I think there was a lot of stuff going into that that it contributed to that. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next game on our schedule, which is Iowa State, Texas Tech. We're going off a schedule we have here. Uh, this one is uh, at 11 a.m. Again, I totally am against that. I wish they'd put this game in prime time, but whatever. Uh, October 21st, obviously, it's in Lubbock. Um, on They don't have the channel listed on this one. Let me look on the other one real quick. I apologize. Uh, FS1. It's on FS1. So uh, on play-by-play, you got Aaron Goldsmith, A.J. Hawk is the analyst, and Danny Cannell. Uh, the the always you know popular Danny Cannell uh, is going to be doing the games on doing the game on this one. Um, this you know early on you're this one to me. Are you excited about this game as I am? Yes, I'm, I, I'm, I think this might be the game of the week. I'm going to find a way to watch this game, even though it interferes with some of the other ones I would like to see. I mean, obviously Oklahoma State, Texas, we just talked about, but this is a good game. Um, who first? Let me start with this. Who is this game more important for in your mind? Uh, probably Tech. Mm-hmm. I think just from the aspect that... They can get more out of their year. Yeah, and I think Kingsbury needs... He needs a couple more wins, mm-hmm. and this is a winnable game. Well, like we talked about last week, I think a bomb still loses his job. You know, if they go under, mm-hmm. I think he still loses his job. So That's why I think it's more important for them. While he's done some things and made some positive moves, I'm still not sure it's enough to save his job, until unless it carries out like it has, obviously. Mm-hmm. That would be the, the uh, ideal thing. Um, as far as Iowa State, you know, again, it's hard to say that Texas Tech has built more to win now than Iowa State because I think Iowa State – Little, especially up front on defense, is a little bit better than than Texas Tech is, but I do feel like this could be a bigger game for Texas Tech too. It, but it's it's cutting hairs, man. It's a big game for both. Now this is big in Texas for Texas Tech in terms of the Big Twelve race, which you could say they're already out of it. Fine, whatever. But they're one and two. Iowa State's two and one. So there is those things, even though they're four and two records. Mm-hmm. There's that going on there too. Now. Um, have we heard? And I, sh- sh- I, sh- I meant to have Corey on for this. I wanted now that I've thought this through and I've woken up tonight. I wanted to have Corey, and we don't have a Texas Tech guy on. That's what that's what it was. That's why I decided not to do it. Because what I've been li- wanting to do on previews on Wednesdays, whatever the spotlight game is, bring those two contributors on to talk to them. But we don't have a Texas Tech one at the moment, uh, so that's why we didn't do it. Uh, but one other thing I'm going to talk about: Have we seen or heard anything on uh, Park coming back this week? He's not on the depth chart right now. That's kind of what I, I thought. I think um, – Lord, I already forgot his name. Why can't I – Iowa State Camp? coach. Oh, no, coach Iowa, um, uh, Campbell. Campbell. Okay, so – That's my Co- job to forget names. Don't I know, that. right. Uh, coach Campbell basically said that he took him off just so it wasn't a distra- distraction. Mm-hmm. Like there was no point in asking questions about him because the situation is still the same. Well, 
here's again. I would love to know. I wish he would address it because I would love somebody. Is nobody? Is nobody in the Iowa State media just flat out asked him? Is there a quarterback race when he comes back? No, I don't know. That I haven't have. seen it. And I've watched clips of the press conferences this week. I haven't seen. I didn't. I'll be totally honest. I did not watch the whole thing in the end. But I did not ever hear or see a question. Is there a quarterback race anywhere? If they win this game this week, there's a quarterback race. It's got to be. Whether he says it or not. It's got to be. Now, this this game to me, from the quarterback side, this could be a tough one for Kent because Texas Tech this year, they're like the 2011 OSU team on turning over the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think they could, if they can turn him over, which I think they can, that could be the difference in the game. But if he has a clean game again and they just do like what we've been talking about, let him manage the game, make throws when he needs to, hand the ball to David Montgomery and let him do what he does. I mean, there could definitely be a quarterback race because I think Park is just going to be one of those guys, kind of like the just a gunslinger where he's going to throw it when he, he's he's Kenny Hill. Yeah, he can make great plays, but he's also going to break your back sometimes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's what he is. He's Trevor Knight, you know, whatever. However you want to look at that, um, he's just too inconsistent at times. Now, when it comes to Iowa State side of things, they could really and you correct me if you don't agree with this. In my opinion. Where I think Iowa State gets into trouble with this is that they fall behind early. Because I don't know that they're built to win a shootout. I don't think they are, in my opinion. Now, especially with a game manager, quote-unquote, at quarterback. I don't know, man. We just ha- we haven't seen enough of Kemp, especially in a game in that situation. He, he hasn't been asked to do that, obviously. Yeah. I, I don't want to say he can't because I don't know that he can't. Because they definitely have weapons out there. Mm-hmm. I would I would be interested to see what he looks like if he has to throw the ball. 40 times. I don't know how many times he threw the ball against Oklahoma. It was probably in the 30s. Kemp? Yeah. It was quite a bit. But it was a close game throughout. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to definitely see. But ideally for Iowa State, this is either a close game where they're up ahead and they're just handing the ball to Montgomery. And that's the ideal scenario, obviously. Because to me, that's where Texas Tech – I mean, you know, um, Texas Tech's not bad in the secondary. They are getting some – like you said, turnovers and things like that, ideal things. They haven't really played anybody yet. West Virginia did it to them, and they beat them. I'm trying to think if they played anybody else in the league. Yep, that's even close to West Virginia's offense. Oklahoma State. Oh, they did play them. Okay, mm-hmm. so teams teams that have enough weapons to where they can't gang up and play a lot of group coverages and things like that, uh, brackets and things like that. That's where they get into trouble because they they do what they do well is they do that you know kind of like for instance West Virginia does with their three three five where they roll a lot of guys to certain sides of the field and double cover guys and things like that. That's where Texas Tech gets a lot of their turnovers. Iowa State, how much do you feel like they can can keep them honest and keep them in one on one coverages? I think they can do that, man. There's part of the the reason for the success of Iowa State is it's not just Lazard anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Marshall Murdoch, you have Murdoch, you have Butler, you have all these other guys that have stepped up. Trevor Ryan. I want Deshante Jones to have a bigger <laughs> year than he's having. I mean, the guy was just a freaking stud as a freshman last but year. That's, he's not that's having the, point. the year he should have, in my opinion. They have weapons now. It's not just a, a one-guy deal where you can take away Lazard and you're going to beat him. Yeah, no, no, definitely. But and to me, uh, obviously, Kemp understands the offense. Because mm-hmm. from what I've seen in the last couple of games, they have not cut the, the playbook short on him. So he's doing everything that he needs to do. So that speaks well for their chances in this game. Um, you know, maybe the biggest thing is just the wear and the win. You know, Lubbock, 11 a.m., Lubbock is never a great place to go to. Uh, nobody likes going there. Don't take offense to that tech, but nobody likes going there. Um, you know, it, it's going to be kind of a uh, dreary game. But their fans are jacked. I mean, they are – They, if you've watched them the last few games at home, their fans are jacked. They're loving this team. They're excited. 
you know, Tech, when they get good football, because they don't get good sports pretty much. Well, baseball, they're pretty good. But everywhere else, they don't really get good sports. So when they get good football, they are committed, crazy, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. So they're going to be there, cowbells and all, going crazy. And, you know, that's, it's going to be a tough environment for Iowa State, I think. I really do. Um, and, you know, we've seen, especially in recent years and those early games at Tech, some crazy things happen. You know, the TCU Tech game last year, whatever it was, with the tip pass at the end zone at the end. You know, there's been some really Oklahoma State and Tech when they've gotten together. Uh, there's been some really crazy occurrences happen down there. So, you know, that's what Iowa State's going to have to fight against. And here's the thing. A lot of those teams and a lot of those situations get down early to Tech, and then Tech just gets to go full bore at them. That To me, that is the number one thing Iowa State cannot do. They cannot get down early. Um, now, Iowa State is sneakily, or however you want to say this. I know sneakily is probably not really a word, but I like <laughs> to use that word. Uh, quiet, you know, uh, quietly good, however you want to say that, at defense. People don't realize that. But if you look at their defensive numbers, Iowa State has been very good at a lot of statistics, especially when you consider what they normally are. Um, to me, you have to look at – if you look at some of the offenses that they've held down this year that have done much better in other situations, it's definitely something to take notice of. Uh, you know, that this is where we can kind of see if that'll play out or not because Tech obviously is good offensively. They they run the ball well, they throw the ball well. So to me, that could be yeah. Iowa State's saving grace. Here's an interesting stat in conference play, Iowa State is number one in the conference against the pass. They're allowing 179 yards per game, and that's even with playing Oklahoma. Yep, uh, there you go. I mean, that's. Um, they that's what I mean. People don't realize it's not just been about the offense and the throwing, you know, the running out. They've done well defensively. Uh, they've held teams down. Uh, so, and, and they're pretty, I mean, hats off to the job Joel Lanning's doing back there, a linebacker. He's, I mean, the dude's just a tackling machine. If you get anywhere near that group, he's t- in that area, he's taking you down. So, yeah. not only that, Corey, but also to support you. Total defense, Iowa State, number one in the conference. Yep. Allowing 310 yards per game. That's what that's I'm saying. 79, 79 yards better per game average than number two, Texas. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't – I know, again, they still have to play some of the bigger offenses in the league, but they have played a couple already. And, you know, it's – it's they're really – Their schedule actually sets up pretty favorable for them, too, after this. They get TCU next week for homecoming. So you have TCU names, which is, is always good for you. Unfortunately, they do have to go to uh, Morgantown. But then they get OSU at home, which that game is giving me an ulcer already. <laughs> then they're at Baylor and at Kansas State. So, I mean, they could be a player in this if they if – they, If they can win this game, yeah, it could it could it get really set up for them. That's what I meant. This is kind of a watershed game, maybe for both of these teams. If Tech loses this game, I could see them kind of going under a little bit. Couldn't you? With what they've got left on their schedule – uh, if Iowa State can win this game, I, man, it could be big for them as far as uh, – now, obviously, they would have to follow up on it next season to show that they're con- capable of continuing this. But at least for a one-year-in-time period, they could have a really nice season after this. Um, you know, I could see them only losing maybe one, maybe two games after this on their schedule. I feel like they're they got a shot at winning a lot of the other ones. So um, they keep playing defense and doing well. They should be fine in this game. Um you know, is there a certain matchup you're really interested in the most in this game? Like, what, what would be like? What's your most excited matchup to see between these two? Uh, probably to see how Tech fares against Montgomery. Mm-hmm. The guy's a beast. I will like to see uh, how Shemunik does. I think he's obviously kind of one of the front running cornerbacks in this league. Mm-hmm. Does he have another big game? Does, how does uh, QT do to this game? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting matchups. 
Well, and to me, it's running versus defense on both sides. I would like to see if Tech can continue what they've been doing running the ball because it's still hard to believe that Tech runs the ball that well, um, even though they've been doing it for six weeks or whatever. Uh, I would like to see them against Lanning and those guys because they do a pretty good job there. Um, if I had to say, you know, that may be Iowa State's weakness, but you got you got to run away from Lanning. Uh, I feel like if you run right at him, he's going to tackle you. So you got to do that. Uh, that would be interesting to see if Tech commits to that. Um, if Tech gets up, can they get out of their general, you know, air raid self and stick to running the ball to kill the clock? That's one thing I want to see from them. I felt like they didn't quite do that against West Virginia. Uh, they let West Virginia back into that game. They didn't take care of the ball and do the possessions like they should have. So that's one thing I would like to see with them going forward. Um, that's about all I got to say on this game. You got anything else you want to add to it? Uh, no, I think that that pretty much does it too. Uh, on. As far as supporting the landing thing, landing is their tackling leader, 64 tackles, and he might be first in the Big 12. I can't he think of anybody second. that has. He said, who has more tackles than he does? Joel Deneen with Kansas. Oh, he has. That's okay. all I'm telling you. He's okay. quietly leading the conference in tackles. Yeah. Um, as far as the running backs go in this one, Justin Stockton, to kind of focus on that the matchup we just talked about, uh, Justin Stockton has 72 attempts for 491 yards and four TDs. He's averaging 6.7 yards a carry. Uh, and David Montgomery has 103 attempts, so he's obviously carried the ball quite a few more times. Uh, 478 yards, so he actually has less yards than Stockton on 30 more carries. Yeah, Stockton's uh, the third leading rusher in the Big 12, yes. by the way. Uh, Montgomery has eight touchdowns, though, so twice the TDs and 4.6 yards of carry. So, uh, probably that's Iowa State's fault. I, again, the Texas game, I can't get over the fact they should have won that game. They got away from running the ball, and I think it would have, I don't know that they would have won the game. But it definitely would have changed the dynamic of that game quite a bit, I think. So they got away from that a little bit too early, in my opinion. Now, all right, let's move on to the next one on our board here is Oklahoma against Kansas State. Now, this one this one has the potential to me to be – I know this is going to sound crazy because it sounds like you're only two options, but this one could just actually be a snoozer because Oklahoma goes in there and just wipes them, off, wipes them out. Or because of, I think – you know, the beating they took last week. And uh, Oklahoma's really suffering a depth on defense in places right now. Uh, some of those injuries early, like their th- their second best cornerback or their best backup cornerback, you know, being out for the year. Uh, losing a safety because he decided to steal somebody's video game system like a moron. Uh, you know, stuff like that. They've taken some hits in secondary and places like that where they don't have depth. So yeah, it's definitely something to watch. You know, Khalil Houghton took a shot at the end of the game in Texas and knocked him out. There's definitely going to be some, some things to watch on depth on defense in this game for Oklahoma. Um, now it could just be a blowout or it could get really interesting. Um, I don't quite see it that way. I think Oklahoma will go down there and handle business. Kansas state uh, is Kansas state. Your most disappointing team of the year. Yes. I would have to say mine too. They have to be, they were projected by most people to be a top kind of the, yeah, the top three team in the league at the kind of at the upper tier TCU has replaced him, but Kansas state. You know, whether it's underperformance, injuries, whatnot, they've definitely disappointed a whole lot this season. I think as many people that missed on Texas Tech missed on Kansas State probably too roughly or close to it. There were some people that had some some skepticism about Kansas State, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But for the most part, I mean, and here's the thing that's really disappointing. They've got the talent. They've got enough talent to be better than they've been. Uh, There's no reason they should have lost to Vanderbilt. You know, there's some of these other games where they've just getting just had that hadn't even looked competitive. There's just no reason for it. They've got enough talent to be competitive. Uh, at at what point? I, it's hard for me to say Lanning is the issue because he's at or not Lanning. I'm sorry, uh, Ertz is the issue because he's had some really good games. 
But uh, and I forget his name. I'm sorry, Kansas State fans. The really good freshman quarterback last year they had. They were so excited about the athletic kid. I'm wondering at what point maybe you try him. Well, uh, maybe this week because, because Alex Dilton did not look like the answer last week. Obviously, obviously. Um, and I God, I can't remember the kid's name. It's driving me nuts. But he's really athletic. They've been super excited on him. Uh, now, Bill Snyder. Here's you know maybe somewhat to his detriment and issues I have with Bob Stoops as he got older in his career. Not playing the younger, more talented guys, uh, and playing the older, more secure guys. He's shown, you know, an unwillingness to play some of those younger, maybe maybe more talented guys uh, in his career. So I'm not sure that he'll get to play him. But I'd be interested to see that at the quarterback position. Skyler Thompson is his name. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Skyler Thompson. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I'd be curious to see him play because I he's uh, I've heard nothing but great things about the kid. Well, I mean, at, they've at been this overwhelmed point, with him. At this point, you're still in a position where you can save your season. Mm-hmm. It it's not going great right now. We don't know how long Ertz is going to be out. Mm-hmm. It, it could be you know maybe he misses the rest of the season or maybe he's never really back to what he was earlier in the season. Yep. Um, obviously, Delton to me, he's basically he's not the answer. He can't throw the ball at all. So. And you have Oklahoma coming in. Yeah, like, and he's I mean, not your prototypical yeah. Kansas State running quarterback either. He's no. actually more of a speed guy where you need the power game. Mm-hmm. Which Skyler's not really, unless he's no, but he on can some pass. weight. But he can, yeah, and he's allegedly. But he's a really good athlete. I mean, right. the guy can get you out of some situations, which is maybe just what you need. You know, uh, look at Ellinger, for instance, getting away from from Okoronko and some of those guys. I mean, if he can do that for them. That's the difference in some some possessions where you stay on the field versus you're having to come off. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that could be all it takes to at least stay in this game. Now, well, I, I got to say the most disappointing thing to me for Kansas State this season is we really thought this was the year that they were going to start passing the ball a little bit more. They had mm-hmm. they finally had some receivers on the outside. That they they were big play type guys. You had your Pringle. Um, I forget the other name, but they have options out there, and it's basically been like we don't even have receivers anymore. I know, They're and it's blockers. so disappointing. And that's one thing I asked uh, uh, Jake, no, Tyler, mm-hmm. uh, when we brought him on. I said, you know, if nothing else, if we don't see the bomb and air raid type thing, which we didn't expect from Kansas State, could you at least see them getting him somewhat involved in like jet sweeps and more screens and, and safe passes or safe situations getting the wide receivers involved? And he kind of thought maybe to some degree they could a little bit. And no, I mean, it's it's you have all that speed. It would almost be like Oklahoma State not using its wide receivers. Now, I realize it's a different, you know, it's a much different scale here we're talking about. But is it fair to say that, that wide receiver group is probably the most talented group on the offense at Kansas State? Yeah, with well, the way that the running backs. I yeah. mean, they don't, that's what's confusing also is the running backs aren't even really running no, this season. No, that's the thing. Kansas State's not even running the ball well. And, again, like we talked about, that's what sustains Kansas State. If you get a pass out of it, great, but that's what sustains them, and they haven't done it well at all. Um, that maybe not. Maybe the wrong word is best. Maybe it should be uh, talented. Most yeah, that's what I mean, most talented group. They're, they're yeah. the most talented group. So why would you not try to do everything you could? At this point, if you're, if you're wounded – uh, you know, kind of like we talked about in, early in the year with Baylor using um, a new Solomon, he gives you more options, more versatility. No, why not do that with the wide receivers? Uh, you know, bring them in to run some some uh, wildcat packages. Bring them in to do some sweeps and things like that. Use them and their athletic ability. Pringle, you get the ball in Pringle's hands, he can be scary. Uh, he can be one of the scariest guys in the league. 
and I just don't I don't get it. Why not try? And I know, I know it's Bill Snyder. It's again what I call an analog system in a digital world. They don't do things like a lot of people do nowadays. But there's got to be at some point a football coach in there that says we're going to have to get more creative. There has to be somewhere inside of him a coach that says that. Yeah. I just I don't know what else you can do because I'm telling you right now, if they go into this game, even if Oklahoma State or if Oklahoma is wounded, if they go into this game like they have, and and do the same types of things they've done, Oklahoma is going to wipe them off the map. It won't even be close. Oklahoma going there like they did a couple of years ago when they beat them 55 to nothing. I will say I did read some stuff earlier. Apparently, there's supposed to be some bad weather there overnight. That could going help. into the day that the the conditions may not be real conducive now, to passing. I will say this, Baker does very good in bad weather too. So that is well, not yeah, necessarily – I mean, obviously he's not going to be, you know, as efficient, but he still is a very good passer in bad weather. So, Well, not, even outside the quarterback play, you have to worry about footing for the wide receivers. Obviously, when yes. They, when There's other issues. On but, and stuff. but you're playing on turf, so there might be some, you know, the field may drain okay. Uh, and so it still is turf up there, isn't it? I think it's still turf up in the stadium. Have they gone to grass in the stadium? I can't uh, it remember. It is grass. Now. Is yeah, it grass now? Grass. Okay, I'm still picturing the bright green – well, it says game uh, day grass. So, I don't know. so maybe, okay. I'm still picturing <laughs> that bright green turf they used to have up there. I don't know why. They've had grass for a while probably now. But anyway, um, so, you know, that we'll see how they do up there. I can't, I, uh, to be honest with you, I can't recall how well Manhattan drains. Well, to me, the only way that the game stays close is if OU's offense shoots themselves in the foot. Yes, which they can do. This is the most frustrating thing about Oklahoma. Tell me if this is, a, if this is not a true statement. They are capable, and we've seen, and when they possess the ability, we believe, to beat just about anybody in the country They when they're right, when everything's right with this team, but they also can go on the tank and can screw up to just about anybody. That is what's most frustrating thing in the world about Oklahoma this See, year. You say frustrating. I say enjoyable. Well, I mean, for you, yes. <laughs> if, you're a fan of, if you're a fan of an Oklahoma team, which I would imagine who's listening to this particular segment of the podcast, it would be a, freshman, it would be a frustrating thing. Um it, it's it, because you see a team with so much potential that when it's right, when things are clicking offensively, defensively, there's not a team in this country that they can't go toe to toe with. Even Alabama, to some degree, depending on if you get them in your game plan. That's that's the key to beating in Alabama is getting them in your game plan where you spread them out. So, see, and that, that's a I guess a question for you. Do you think at this point is Oklahoma? And I think I know the answer to this, but do you think Oklahoma plays better against teams with non Big Twelve offenses? Like oh, definitely. A Texas. 100%. Or, uh, but a lot of that has to do with Mike Stoops, in my opinion. Yeah. Because he's saying, better but, at preparing for that. Yeah. It just seems like when they play teams like that. This kind of offense right here. Yeah. yeah. yeah this is this is what they do. This That's why in the last few years you've seen Kansas State just get destroyed by Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, with the exception of 14 when Oklahoma couldn't beat anybody. Um, See, that's kind of the, the Big 12's poison, though. Like, yeah. You have to build your team – you have to build your defense to compete in conference because you have to win conference to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But when you get anywhere else with the defense you need to compete in the Big 12, well, you're going to get killed by the power game. The only team nationally, the only teams nationally to really to own them in recent years, A&M and 12 in the Cotton Bowl with Johnny Manziel and Clemson yeah. with their offenses. Everybody else they've gone up against nationally, Tennessee's, Florida State's, um, I don't know whoever they played. Well, okay, Ohio State did last year. I forgot about that one. Uh, but that was a little bit because of lack of ability to cover anybody. That wasn't necessarily a team. <laughs> that wasn't because they sucked as a team. There was a weakness on that team. Um, but for the most part, they have they destroyed teams like that, or they beat them at least anyway. If it's a physical matchup game, they they take them out. So and see, that's interesting also because if you go back over like the last five years, Kansas State has also had success against Oklahoma. Well, in 
14, they beat them. Uh, 13, Oklahoma went up there and beat them in 13 in Manhattan. 15, Oklahoma beat the crap out of them, coming off the loss of the Red River rivalry. Uh, 16, Oklahoma beat them pretty soundly in Norman. So this year, I mean, I don't know why I expect anything different at this point. Because, again, like I've said many times on the show, it's about Oklahoma saying, we're going to throw our athletes out there in space against your guys that we don't think can do anything and beat the crap out of you. Like, that's pretty much what it is. And Kansas State, if they get down early, that's the other thing, too. Oklahoma has hit Kansas State in the mouth early in the last few years when they've beaten them and beat them hard to where – Either Kansas State just has no prayer of coming back because they physically can't or they willingly won't, whatever the case is, they just don't do anything about it. So that's what that's what Kansas State has to avoid in this situation to me yeah. because if if Oklahoma goes up 17-21 early, it's over. Yeah. It, it, I mean, go ahead and put the ponies in the barn and it's done, especially with the weakness, especially without having their quarterback. Um, look, I mean, TCU, again, not taking anything away from them. They're a really good team, really good defense. They held them to, what, seven points last week, I think it was? Six. That six points, yeah. I mean – Oklahoma has the athletes to do that same type of thing. They may not play soundly as well as TCU does for four quarters sometimes. Now, TCU's led up at times too. But Oklahoma's kind of adopted a what a lot TCU. Oklahoma's played a lot of 4-2-5 this year, a lot of that situation. So they're doing a lot of the same things TCU does on defense. Um, and to be honest, I don't – I mean, it's a, they're not a whole lot different in those defenses. They're pretty pretty equal. Um, it's just that TCU's found a way to play more consistently throughout four quarters than Oklahoma has a lot of times. So that's really your biggest difference. And honestly, when it comes to pass rush, I would give the advantage to Oklahoma every time. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I just don't, I don't see well things for Kansas State unless Oklahoma really is that beat up. I, I, don't, I just don't see how this ends well for Kansas State. No, I, I don't think this game's going to be a close one at all. I would expect by halftime, it's you're looking for, and this is during that law in the afternoon, which I forgot to, to say that this is a two o'clock game. If I can find it in front of me, yeah, it's on Fox. Uh, well, it's actually three o'clock because it's on Fox. So they do a little bit of a delay, but um, you know, you got pregame if you're uh, if you're interested because Oklahoma does have a lot of these things that they do themselves as a school. Pregame on Sooner Sports Game Day at 10 a.m. If you're interested in that situation, uh, Powercat Game Day with. Uh, Tyler and them will be before the game. Tyler Dryling that we brought on the show. Um, hang on one second. And if I can find it, I will get you the time on them. It should be right here. Um, I don't see it. Where to find? I don't know. I don't see it on here. But um, anyway, they do their Powercat game day thing. They do a pregame show. I'm sure you can find it if you're in the Kansas State area. You probably know that already. Uh, oh, here it is on the television area. One second. Let me scroll down there a little bit. Okay, it is, let's see, K-State's radio, we'll be doing play-by-play, and I don't see anything about a pregame show on the Kansas State side, I'm sure they've got one somewhere, anyway, Gus Johnson is doing the television, that's always good, that's exciting, it's kind of weird that they gave Gus this game, don't you think? I mean, that's kind of your your guy, I mean, that's your your Brent Musburger, your et cetera, et cetera, Brad Nestler. I don't know. That's kind of weird that they gave him this game. Uh, Joel Klatt, which is always a great guy for the Big 12, good proponent of the Big 12, obviously former quarter, Colorado quarterback. Uh, so, anyway, that's who's doing the show in the game at 3 o'clock p.m. You know, uh, honestly, uh, is this game probably the biggest snoozer, potentially the biggest snoozer of the weekend? Uh, who's Kansas playing? I can't remember off the top of my head. TCU. Oh, wait, no, that one's probably the biggest snoozer of the weekend. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but anyway, so we'll see, see. but you know, just as soon as we say this is gonna be the biggest snoozer, it'll yeah, be like a, yeah, I'm a sure. Field goal yeah. decides it at the end. It could be. That's what I mean. That's <laughs> what, this game could be that, and it all depends on how Oklahoma comes in this game. If they come out happy and rolling and pepped up like they have been when they played Kansas State in recent years, they're gonna dominate them. If not, you know, look for this just to be an ugly, nasty game. 
Uh, it could, and Kansas State wants that. They want to ugly this game up. So moving on to the next one. We got two left here, right? Yep. Okay. King. We got uh, West Virginia and Baylor. And this one is at uh, Saturday, October 21st, obviously, 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's 7 o'clock. This game's in primetime, too? Yeah, it's on that. FS2. I didn't know that. I, I was thinking this was an, I was thinking that one was the only afternoon. It was the only evening game. Uh, West Virginia, Baylor, 8 p.m. Eastern, so 7 o'clock our time, except for you folks in West Virginia. Um, uh, obviously, this one is in – wait, this one's in Waco? Yep. Yep, this one's in Waco because that's confusing. They put they put below that banner, they put McLean Stadium. Okay, never mind. I see it now. It looked like it was at West Virginia at first, then they said Waco. Okay, I got you now. All right, so, yeah, this one's in Waco uh, on FS2, as Colin, Colin had to, to tell us there. Um, early on, I kind of look for West Virginia in this game to really try to put Baylor away. Uh, have we heard anything else about Mims? Uh, well, our contributor was posted today that he was out with the flu last week. I would imagine he's back fully healthy this week. Yeah, I would hope that everything's okay now. Um, I mean, he know. played last week. He was just obviously not himself. To me, this could be – I don't well, – I've seen a lot of people picking Baylor to win See, this game. See, that's what I'm saying. This this could be a sneaky game. for. This is that game West Virginia has to win that they, you could easily see them losing and getting upset because for whatever reason they just didn't bring it. It's a road trip to Waco. Another far road trip for them, uh, you know, and it and it just and I would have to look at their schedule. Uh, West Virginia schedule, oh here it is, right here in front of me. Uh, so after this game, they got Oklahoma State, and they gave him off. So this is that sandwich game. This is that game when you're scheduled that you got to find a way to win. And man, it, it's not going to be easy. The, uh, if Baylor shows up and plays like Baylor, you know, the Baylor that played Oklahoma, the Baylor that played, um, help me out here. Who else did they play well against this year? Um, they didn't last. Uh, Baylor played against Duke. You know that 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 team there. Uh, if they can show up and play against West Virginia that way, they could. But by all rights, West Virginia should win this game. Um, but you know, West Virginia, I would. This is still something I've been meaning to look up. It hasn't felt like they've had that great of a road record since they've been in this league. And I know a lot of that's traveling. But it, does it seem that way to you? It seems like they've they lose on the road. Yeah, it seems like. And again, I know it's a. It's a it's a tough road trip for them every time they get on a plane and go somewhere, but it just seems like it, it almost feels like anytime West Virginia is on the road, watch out. There could be a chance they could blow one. So, you know, I would like to see that. Uh, as far as Baylor, man, it's really hard to get too high on Baylor because of how bad they looked last week. Um, you know, they just – Here's a couple of things from, from the Baylor side. I saw this tweet earlier in the week. I was just looking for it. Uh, Matt Rule says that running back John Lovett and wide receiver Pooh Strickland are likely out for this game. Wow. Yeah. So you're down. Lovett, I, I thought, has actually looked pretty good for Baylor over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So you lose him. Mm. Now they do have Terrence Williams, but he's still, I guess, limited somewhat by his shoulder injury. And Michael Hasty's back, too. He's right? back. He did not look very good against Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's just coming back off that injury. So yeah, trying Baylor's to bring not him back in. If Baylor's not at full strength, I just don't see how they pull this game off. I don't either, and especially because West Virginia's offense is kind of similar to to what OSU did, and mm-hmm. I, I think they mm-hmm. can really eat them up with the big play. Yeah, see, that's what to me. That's what West Virginia's got to go down and set the tone early. They got to go down there and just put and and look. I obviously we don't have rooting interest. That's not what we do, and we do on our teams. But but the league needs West Virginia to win this game. We yes. need West Virginia to stay a quality team. They lose this game here, it's going to really hurt who has to play them potentially and what it could really mean for them in the future. Um, you know, they're four and two, but it's two losses to two pretty good teams. Well, they're so, right on the cusp. They're right. Well, are they ranked this week? 
If they aren't, they're 24th or 25th. They're 23. Okay, so they are yes. ranked. Okay, so yeah, I mean, they're them and Tech are kind of floating right there at that borderline between being in and being out. So mm-hmm. the league really needs them to either win and go up higher and, mm-hmm. you know, contend for the conference championship, or if not, just hang around there so – those wins mean more. Exactly, exactly. And let's face it, even even though we do, everybody, even the people listening to the show have their rooting interests, the Big 12 has got to make the playoff this season. Mm-hmm. We need it, to. It is critical for them. Because if you if you look at it right now, what, they've been in one of three, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so two of four is not bad. If you're in 50% of the playoffs, you're like, well, okay, well, that's, that's not what great, I mean. but that's it's not bad. That's what's so stupid about people. They're like, oh, they've only been to one of three. Well, there's only but been three. Like, it, I mean, if you, you know, lo- If we don't make it this year, you're at one of four, and they're like, well, you've only been to 25% of the playoffs. And even though, to me, that doesn't really mean that much, it does from a perspective standpoint. Yep. So, um, it's all about how you people know, view Somebody the has to get let out, left out. And, and again, we've established that Oklahoma fans and probably Texas fans don't care about the conference. They That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. We've had that argument with them. And I, now, personally, I do as an Oklahoma fan. I care about the league. I want the league to do well. Uh, but eventually they're going to have to understand that it helps them whether they want it to help them or not. Um, I just can't so, get past the fact that people don't see that it's in those schools' interest for the Big 12 to work. Yeah, and to do well. They it, don't. Uh, but I, I understand they their defense wanna, as well if they win them all. And again, like I said, when's the last time they won them all? Well, I understand people want, you know, they people like the idea of Oklahoma going to the SEC or going to, because you have the marquee. I games. really don't. I don't. But they're not. I don't it's have any, a lot harder to get to the playoff in those conferences. Well, not right now, it ain't. Well, <laughs> you tell me if you put Oklahoma in the SEC West. Yeah, the, yeah but harder. they wouldn't put Oklahoma in the West. There's no if unless they were going to realign. They the would realign it at that they, point. I don't know. They may not. And Oklahoma would make sense in the West, obviously. But as it stands right now, there's no way they'd put them in the West because the East needs them too bad. So uh, there's just a lot of stuff that I question about these schools leaving the conference if they. Do. But if Alabama, if they're going to realign, you have to put Alabama in the East. Like where Alabama is in Auburn, relation to the teams. Be Auburn in the East. They're going to keep them together though. Because the Iron Bowl. Because right now you don't play everybody every year. They have the cross game, though, don't they? The cross They don't play everybody every year. Not every year. They don't play everybody every year. Yeah, they do. Tennessee is... Tennessee plays Alabama. Yeah, but but that's every year. But then you've got to find a team to do... Then you've got to find a way to do that with Auburn again on the schedule. That's what I'm saying. There's not room to do that. They would keep those two together. There's no way they would split those two up. Well, it would probably help to move those two teams to the West, to be honest. Because Auburn has to find a way to cross over with Georgia. You know, it's not just... That's what I mean. There's not room to do that with another game. So um, that's what I mean. They would go together. So unless they realign them, they would put them in the East. And well, I just, to me, it's not that hard to get there right now. In the East I would say that I don't think you, they would have to uh, fight with Tennessee to take that rivalry game with Bama off. off no, the schedule. I really don't think they would either, to be honest. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you look at like strategically the 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 map of the country, nah, we're going down a rabbit hole here, man. We don't need to get into expansion and realignment. And all oh, that it's crap. fun. I enjoy. I know, but it turns into like a forty-five. Uh, but no, anyway, I don't really care about the um, Oklahoma and the SEC or any of that stuff. They've got to understand that the league needs to do well. They've mm-hmm. got to. I don't care. You know, if I just don't understand the logic of well, everybody else can lose every game, but we'll still be fine. Like that doesn't work. Like, well, it, it looks a lot better. <laughs> like for for OU for all the crap they give OSU, it's a lot better for OU to beat a top ten OSU team at the end of the season than a. Oh, one ten team. Twenty fifteen is the perfect example. Oklahoma does not make the playoff if the league sucked. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way in hell they they beat teams that are good teams that are quality teams. Beat like four ranked teams in that stretch going down the way. That's what got them into the playoff. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, you lost to a Texas team that was atrocious. That that was what was hurting you. Well, it was something I saw on Twitter today that the playoff committee looks more at ga- they gauge. There's more weight placed behind wins 
then is taken away for losses. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I would like say they they fair. look at the formula is more. Yeah, big wins are more important that, than terrible fair. losses. That's what I mean. That's why Oklahoma's win over Ohio State is so key for them, mm-hmm. because as long Ohio State looks like they're starting to put things together and they're starting to dominate people. So as long as that continues, that win is just going to be huge for Oklahoma. So and and it, and, it, and it relates for somebody too. Like say Oklahoma State knocks off Oklahoma, that's going to help them because you beat the team that beat Ohio State. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's how that works. And if you don't want to accept that, you're just being stubborn or ignorant at that point. One of the two. I exactly. Don't know. So, we need West Virginia to win this game. Now, if they don't, okay, so be it. And I don't want Baylor fans to think we're rooting against them because I don't really care one way or the other, but we do need them to win the game for the league. Um, I, with Baylor, and I think you're starting to see some of the attrition Baylor's faced in, in you know, what we talked about. They have no depth, none, mm-hmm. not anything worth quality. Well, going all, into so. last week, they were down to five scholarship offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely starting to see it. And we all knew going into this year – it was going to be a rebuilding year. Yeah, it was just a question definitely. of how bad is it going to be. We never expected them to go out and lose to obviously Liberty and whoever that their teams are that they lost to at the beginning. Yeah, no, definitely. we expected them to at least win those and, and come in and maybe beat a couple of the teams in the Big Twelve. And I still think that they're going to knock off Kansas. I don't think this team's going winless. Mm-hmm. No, so, I don't think they will either. Yeah, and they may they may very well jump up and get one of these other teams that they probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I could see that too. I mean, we we knew this is. This is the Baylor team that we all expected coming into the season. No, definitely. And, I, you know, I feel bad for them because they're trying, they're doing a good job and all that. But it's just at some point you got to have bodies and they don't. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know what else. To, I don't know any other way to put it but that. They just oh, that's what happens yet. when you lose an entire recruiting class. Yeah, exactly. Um, and transfers out of the program on top of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. So we'll see going forward. I, I You know, like I said, this could be a trap game for West Virginia if they don't come in and play like they should. But – uh, with Baylor missing that many options at weapons for them, it just—I don't see any way they put together a good game. And West Virginia is starting to kind of find their footing defensively. They've shown some improvement now. Obviously, the score they put up against Tech, but if you just look at some of the things they're doing better than they have in recent weeks, you know that could be a big deal for them as far as shutting down Zach Smith. Um, so we'll see going forward. I just don't see any way Baylor. I mean, I could, like I said, I could make a plan if West Virginia stumbles, but if West Virginia is at all normal, I just don't see any way Baylor wins this game. I agree. All right, moving on to the last one that we have of the weekend on our schedule. <clears throat> you have Kansas against the mighty TCU Horned Frogs, who are obviously the only undefeated team left in the league. Um, you know, like I said, we don't necessarily need them to win the league, but we still need them to continue to do well as they're doing. We need them to win. You know, don't don't just don't stumble and start losing a lot of games. We need them to do well. So. You know, as far as who ends up there at the end of the year, you still got Oklahoma, you still got TCU, you still got uh, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. I guess you could throw in that lot, probably. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, you've got five teams that are looking pretty good there. Is that four? Did I count that wrong? One, I two, three, four. Yeah, four teams that that are looking pretty good in that lot there. To well, do could that. you so, throw Tech in there too, and Iowa State? <laughs> no, nah, they. To me, they're already done. I don't know. We'll see. But to me, they're already done. Um. So anyway, so we need we need uh, TCU to do well. But this week, it's kind of a layup for them. Uh, like, uh, you know, as bad as Kansas has been, I mean, is there any way you see Kansas really making this interesting at all? I would like to say no, but, you know, FPI has it at a 99% chance that TCU wins. Yeah. Which is even more baffling for the primetime game. Have you ever seen a primetime game where the 
FPI has 99% chance the other team wins. Yeah, don't get me started on that. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> I still can't understand why they made this a primetime game. It I just saw doesn't. Some, some Kansas fans were not upset about or were upset about this. Well, this I mean, well, because they don't want to be shown slaughtered on national television. You know yeah. what that's about? But, um, but in all honesty, there's, there's ways that this could be a game. I mean, you look back over the last, like, three to four years. Yeah. I mean, can't. Kansas, as bad as they were over those years, they pushed in 2014. They pushed uh, Bo- Trevon Boykin-led team. Mm-hmm. So they were – I forget how many points they lost by. But I think over the last three games, only 11 points separate these teams. Uh, over three games. Well, the thing is, you know, TCU hasn't really had, like, that letdown yet. Like, I feel like they didn't play well last week, but, you know, certainly well enough to win that game. Mm-hmm. I guess the wounded K-State team. So, um, you know, that's one thing I would like to see. Are they going to have that letdown? Um, you know, and if they do, is Kansas even at all in your mind at all equipped to take on a TCU team that's coming in there not quite paying attention, for lack of a better term? No, because I tell you what, we talked about it last year. Kind of Kansas's biggest problem going into last season was they turned the ball over mm-hmm. all the time. And mm-hmm. Bender seems to be the exact same deal. And I don't know if it's just at this point you just say it's Kansas. Yeah, because they've tried multiple guys, and it's still the same problem as turnovers. But you know, I, I had high hopes for him going into this season. I watched the Southeast uh, Missouri State game, mm-hmm. and my hopes were kind of downgraded at that point. Mm-hmm. And then they get this house by Central Michigan, and it was it was basically gone at that point. So I think we see the same problems. They turn the ball over too much. I don't know. I don't think they can run the ball against TCU, and I'm dang sure if they can't run the ball, they're not going to have success passing the ball. Mm-hmm. So I, to answer your question, no, I don't think they can. I don't yeah. think there's any way they can compete in this I, game. I just think they, that Kansas State – or I'm sorry, Kansas State, Kansas just doesn't have the horses. I mean, it's they look so bad. TCU is so sound defensively. Even on an off day, I just don't see how they get anything by them. No. Even, now, you got to think, TCU's probably going to be somewhat, you know – Probably not quite 100%. I mean, it is at home. That does help. If you had to go up to Kansas, it'd be, which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, 7 p.m. time, like we said, um, it's prime time, uh, you know, at Amon G. Carter Stadium. So, or the Carter, as they like to call it up there. Um, so, it's on Fox. So, you can catch that game on there. But I, I just, man, I just, it, I really hate that this game's prime time because I just don't see anything other than a slaughter. Yeah. Yeah, that is that's probably likely. I expect Kenny Hill to throw for about four hundred. Uh, I expect them to run combined for about two fifty to three hundred. Um, I mean, this is going to be a bloodbath. Kansas has has Kansas played any of the horses yet in the league? This will be the first one, right? Hold on, I will tell you. They played West Virginia, didn't they? Did West no, Virginia go to Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, they played West Virginia on the twenty third of September. But West Virginia doesn't play defense and didn't play okay, defense. Okay, so here's like here's the rest of their schedule. They play at TCU. They play Kansas State next week. They play Baylor the week after that. So that's kind of the, for lack of a better term, toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a toilet bowl game yep. this year. Then they're at Texas. Then they have Oklahoma at home. And then they're at OSU to end the season. Mm. So it's not going to end well for them. No. They're starting no, a tough stretch, won't. and they really haven't played very well going into this stretch. No, that's that's not going to do well. Here, for here's them. my question to you with this game: Do they cover the spread? What is it? Thirty-eight and a half. Let me think about this. Gary Patterson doesn't seem to be like the kind of guy that runs to run up the score. Uh, here, hold on. Here's your here's your, no. here's your points per game. Let me think here. Thirty. Ku averages scoring twenty-four point seven. 
They're not going to do that again. TCU, TCU averages scoring seven or allowing 17.3. Uh, Kansas allows on average 45, roughly 45 points a game. I'm going to say this game ends up as long, you know, again, I'm going to say this is a focused, somewhat focused TCU team. So with it being at home, I'm going to say the score ends up being somewhere along the lines of 48 to 13. So what would that be? You know, I don't. I don't do mathemati- mathematics very good, Corey. <laughs> Arithmetic. I guess they covered. <laughs> they would cover in that scenario. Well, did you say forty-eight, thirteen? Yeah. That is thirty-five. So no, that would not cover. Or I ca- Kansas would cover. So I mean, Kansas would cover. Yeah, Kansas. Would so cover. yeah, I think Kansas covers. Okay. I think so too. That's a huge line. Yeah, that is. That's almost to the point of why I even make a line. Yes. You're starting to Vegas hardly goes any higher than that. So I, uh, I think this is the highest one. That'd be the highest FBS line all year, probably. I don't know of one that would be worse than that. Um, you know what's sad though is you've got Alabama almost that over Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it may be sad for Tennessee fans. Yeah, uh, I think the rest of the country's enjoying. I think that's it. pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. I just unfortunately I don't see anything good that comes out of this game for Kansas. Hopefully they don't die. Hopefully they don't get a lot of injuries. You know, that's that's that'd be the positive takeaway here. Um, sadly, as what we've been trying to avoid all year, Kansas fans have moved on to basketball season and are ready for that. So, uh, Unanimous number one in the conference, by the way. Yeah, that came out today, too. I think uh, they're number so, three in the coaches poll, which West Virginia's up there, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, anyway, going forward for TCU, then, looking at them going forward, we have Iowa State. That game right there at Ames next week, Yeah, that 30 is, p.m., Keep your eye on that one because if there's one where where they could stub their toe before they get to an Oklahoma or anybody else that's left that's good on their schedule, that could be it. Believe me, as an OSU fan, I'm hoping that's the game that they trip somebody up this year. <laughs> uh, then you've got Texas at home. Then you travel to Norman at Texas Tech, Baylor. So kind of a tough schedule closing out. Uh, if they can get by Iowa State, then they've got that three-game stretch there that is their season. I mean, that's their difference between them and finally getting to that playoff. So we'll see. Um, any chance you see TCU not making the playoff? I mean, not making the uh, Big Twelve Championship game. Sorry, they'd have to lose two games, obviously. But I mean, do you think that'll happen? Uh, honestly, I do. I think they lose two games. Yeah, I think Oklahoma gets them in Norman. Honestly, just because I mean, I think they're really two equal teams. I think they're two pretty similar teams. Oklahoma's better at quarterback, though. Um, and I mean, where would you say that TCU is definitely better at Oklahoma running the ball? Secondary, definitely better. I I would argue it. Yeah, I think they're good, but I don't know if they're definitely better. I think that like I think Oklahoma I think has a better defensive similar. line. Maybe no, Oklahoma has good linebackers too. Well, here's the thing too. It depends again. It depends on what Oklahoma defense shows up that week. That's the question. Well, I'm saying with what yeah. we've seen, I would if, say TCU if, has a better. Secondary. If Oklahoma's secondary is playing right, like again, people forget Jordan Thomas covered Coleman for Baylor two years ago and locked him down. When you get a t- when you get a Thomas, Thomas that when you get Thomas that's right. And then you have Parnell Motley on the other side. Those are the two best corners in the league as far as a duo goes together as a set. It doesn't get any better. But it has to be that Thomas. It can't be the Thomas that didn't show up against Baylor or whatever the hell was wrong with him, and he got burned. So that's the question. But if you give me those two, now I will take um, TCU safeties. Yeah, because well, that's what I'm Oklahoma's saying. hitter as a whole, safety right now. 
What do they have? Okay, so they have Tejada. They have Tejada's a corner. Yeah, but oh, I'm okay, saying Jones, they have him yeah. at corner. Then you have the Orr guy at safety. Green mm-hmm. Orr. The other, I forget the other safety's name. But yeah, I mean the secondary for TCU's legit, man. They're good. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying like definitely. I mean, head and shoulders better. Clearly better. I think TCU runs the ball better than Oklahoma does. Although Oklahoma does a pretty good job by committee, but I think you know the two backs at TCU obviously. Um, but. And then I guess if See, you that has give been the a shocking thing for TCU for me this year. If you give them the secondary, fine. But where else do you – I mean, to me, they're pretty similar teams. There's yeah, not I, would, a, I would agree And with then that. you clearly give Oklahoma the quarterback advantage over yes. numbnuts down there. <laughs> so uh, New nickname, Big 12 country, yep, copyright. He's numbnuts. I can't think of his name right now, so he's numbnuts. Um, um, no, I, I've been shocked with – uh, Anderson running the ball for TCU. I mean, I we'd heard about him. Mm-hmm. If you remember no, he's the preseason, we were talking he's about outside good. of Hicks, who's going to back mm-hmm. him up? We didn't know anybody. Yeah, no, exactly. We talked to their people, talked to everybody. Nobody wanted to come up with a name we thought yep. would be solid. So and this guy has been uh, yes, he's been very very good for yep. them. I can't. He gives you that option too. That if Hicks is gone, you still have a number one type back that can run the ball. Well, he's so. the number one guy. <laughs> well, I know, but you know what I mean. People still think Hicks. They when they think TCU run game, they think Hicks. That's all yeah. they think. You know. Uh, this guy is definitely, you know, uh, a, he's a starter for sure anywhere else by himself. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, he's very good. Uh, anyway. Okay, he's fifth in the conference rushing right now in conference games. Nice, nice. Um, all right, anything else we want to get to before we get out Yeah, here? I just wanted to give this one ridiculous stat that I saw in the uh, conference stat sheets this week. This is for all you uh, West Virginia guys out there. Uh, Sills. Leading the conference in scoring, which is insane for a wide receiver to be leading the conference in scoring to me. Now, I say that with the knowledge that there's other wide receivers on this list, too, but yeah, no, that is crazy. He's averaging almost 15 points a game. Generally, it's your kickers, they get to kick the ball, they get three points or one Mm -hmm. point every time they kick it. They do that a lot. Generally, it's your kickers, so yeah, that is pretty nuts. So, to be number one at wide receiver, averaging almost 15 a game, that, Mm -hmm. that needed to be pointed out. That was a crazy stat to me. And part of that could be to do with the success of the offenses at the Big 12 right now as far as getting touchdowns. They are very good at that. The top offenses are good at getting touchdowns and not settling for field goals. So that could be part of that situation, too, because you're boosting the receivers and not helping the kickers. So anyway, that is pretty nuts. That's off to seals. Uh, anything else we need to get to before we get out? I can't think of anything else. News, notes? Uh, no, I think that, that'll do us. All right. We will be back uh, Sunday night, presumably. I'm yes, assuming, we will. With, uh, probably, I assume we're probably going to kind of stick to the format where we bring in the winning uh, contributors to talk. Uh, hopefully we can get Jerry if TCU wins this weekend. Hopefully you don't hear from Tyler. Otherwise, yeah. I won't be on the show. Yeah, <laughs> that could be a bad one. Yeah, there's a couple of situations there. If uh, Baylor knocks off West Virginia, it <laughs> could be another interesting one. So, anyway, yeah, we need to find out if Sarah wants to come on the show. She's never been on the show. But anyway, all right, anything else we need to get to? Uh, no, that's it, man. All right, guys, uh, until next time, everybody say bye. See you guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>